Welcome to the Reformed Hope Podcast. In this podcast, we seek to apply God's law word to every area of life. In this episode, we look at current events through the lens of a biblical worldview and consider what the Bible has to say about what is going on around us. We conclude each episode with a brief devotional thought from Scripture. Jesus is King of all things, and all things are to be subject to Him. My name is Chris Hume. Today is April 4th in the year of our Lord, 2019. Today's episode focuses on the growing popularity of homeschooling in the United Kingdom and that nation's unbiblical stance on the government's authority over children. The story comes from an article by Harry York of The Telegraph entitled, quote, Children Educated at Home to be Registered and Monitored for the First Time Amid Fears Over Illegal Schools. Education Secretary announces. The article relates how the Education Secretary in the United Kingdom is concerned that some homeschooled children are being exposed to, quote, dangerous influences or not getting an education at all, end quote. The article notes that the new policy will make it mandatory for parents to register their children with the state and in so doing become eligible to receive financial assistance from the government. York comments, quote, it comes amid growing concern over the rise of the homeschool movement with the number of children off ruling thought to be increasing by 25% each year. Anne Longfield, the children's commissioner in the United Kingdom, summarizes the stance of the government on monitoring all children. She says, and I quote, the number of children who are not being educated in school has rocketed over recent years. It is vitally important that we know that all children are safe and that they are receiving the education they deserve to help them succeed in life. The introduction of a register for children not in school is very welcome and something I have been calling for. I am pleased these proposals also include support for families, end quote. Now to American homeschoolers like me, this policy is nothing new. In most states in the United States, some form of notification is required to be given to the government. Some states go so far as to require homeschool families to submit test scores and other coursework to the state. Nevertheless, this story reminds us of a thorny issue in our day. What is the role of the government in this case when it comes to parents educating children? Before addressing that question, consider the rise of the modern homeschool movement, particularly in America. Homeschooling or home education is not new. Furthermore, having children educated by the government has not always been a given as it is today. As late as 1860 in America, there were only about 300 public schools compared to over 6,000 private ones, not to mention numerous children being educated at home. Along came Horace Mann in the 1800s, and Horace Mann pushed for a government school system in order to create a new public philosophy. Mann wanted to reshape society based on secular motives, and his strategy for doing that was to target not adults, but children. And so he focused on a government school system which would indoctrinate the rising generation. Now, many Christians at the time did not resist government education. It had enough of a veneer of Christianity. The Bible was read in class. There were prayers. 
to make people feel like it was a godly option. However, as time went on, many began to question the role of the state in educating our children. The 20th century brought many new voices who challenged the status quo of government education. American philosopher and Calvinist theologian Gordon Clark, in a 1955 address, correctly pointed out the motives behind the government school system as a whole. He said this, quote, The strategy of the humanist is to occupy the time and the attention of children to such an extent that they will have no opportunity to hear the gospel. The public schools, with their compulsory attendance, are to be used for the inculcation of secularism. End quote. Another prominent voice in the rise of the modern homeschooling movement was Rusas Rushduni. He emphasized how all education is essentially religious. The question is not if an educational system will teach religion. The question is which religion will it teach? Now, Rush Dooney explained that status education assumes three things. So the government educational system assumes three things, Rush Dooney said. He said, number one, it assumes that the child is the child of the state or the property of the state. And therefore, the state has more authority over the child than even the parent. That's the first assumption that it makes. Number two, the state priesthood, as he called them, of educators are best able to rear the child and prepare him for life. They have the most wisdom when it comes to what is a good education. That's the other assumption they made. The third assumption is that status education alone is objective and hence true. The state is able to make an impartial decision concerning education and concerning truth. Rush Dooney said, quote, status education is thus an entrance into the true Catholicity of the civil religion of the modern state. It is the religious ideal of the French Revolution realized, end quote. Since these men and others began calling attention to the unbiblical nature of government education, many families actually began pulling their children out of the government schools in America. Many parents began to see that the charge given in Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 6 and 7, requires them to think carefully about who is indoctrinating their children. That portion of scripture says this, And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children, and shall talk of them when you sit in your house, and when you walk by the way, and when you lie down, and when you rise. For this and undoubtedly other reasons, homeschooling has been on the rise in America in modern times. In fact, from 1999 to the year 2012, the number of homeschooled children in America more than doubled. An increase in homeschooling is also occurring in the United Kingdom. The BBC reported last year that homeschooling in the UK increased 40% over three years. While it is true that not all homeschooling families acknowledge the lordship of Christ, many in fact do. In fact, for many, as it was for me, seeking to honor Christ is the primary reason to refrain from sending one's child to a government school system. The rise of quality homeschooling, particularly Christian homeschooling, is a great victory for the cause of Christ. The government school system endorses abortion, sexual perversion, gender confusion, socialism, statism, 
All things which oppose biblical Christianity and oppose the advance of the gospel of Christ. Providing children with a God-honoring education is one of the most powerful tools we have to further the cause of Christ in future generations. Despite the fact that many Christians welcome homeschooling and the homeschool option, many still question whether the government really should have no role in educating children. The government officials in the UK, as well as in the US, see it as their responsibility to monitor, in some form or another, the education of all the children in their nation. The problem with this is that the Bible does not teach that the government's role includes the responsibility to educate children or even monitor the education of children. The state has been instituted by God, according to 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 14, to punish those who do evil and to praise those who do good. According to Romans 13, verse 4, the civil magistrate is a servant of God, an avenger who carries out God's wrath on the wrongdoer. You see, in biblical law, the state's role is limited to punishing evil. The reason for this is because biblical law, as it relates to the civil realm, is largely negative in nature. Now, Rush Dooney, in his book, The Institutes of Biblical Law, wrote extensively about the negativism of the law. What he means is this. Biblical law, again, especially as it relates to civil matters, focuses on what we are not allowed to do, hence the negative aspect, rather than what we are required to do, positive. As an illustration, consider the Ten Commandments. Eight of the ten are stated clearly in negative terms. Number one, you shall have no other gods before me. Number two, you shall make no idols. Number three, you shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain. Number six, you shall not murder. Number seven, you shall not commit adultery. Number eight, you shall not steal. Number nine, you shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. And number 10, you shall not covet. In fact, Rush Juni points out that the Sabbath command is even negative in nature. Thou shalt not do any work. Thus he concludes, quote, nine of the 10 commandments are negative, end quote. Now, what does this have to do with the government's involvement in homeschooling and education? It has everything to do with it. You see, the modern concept of law, having abandoned biblical law, is positive in nature. And again, that doesn't mean good. It means as opposed to negative in nature, telling us what we can't do. It's positive in nature, telling us what we must do. This means that the state sees its role as managing, directing, and shaping society rather than as simply punishing evildoers within society. Rush Dooney notes, quote, The best statement of a positive concept of law was the Roman legal principle, the health of the people is the highest law, end quote. Contrast that with a negative concept of the law, which is far more practical. It deals with a particular evil directly and plainly. For example, thou shalt not steal, thou shalt not murder. The law then, in Rush Dooney's words, has a modest function. It cannot tell me what food I can eat. It cannot tell me what drugs I must put in my body or my children's body. The law is limited. In biblical law, the state is limited to dealing with evil, not controlling or regulating all people for the so-called common good. 
Another example of the difference between a negative law and a positive law concept relates to capitalism and socialism. When the pilgrims first came to America, they actually attempted to form their community based on certain unbiblical socialist practices. The law forced people to work for the common good. This contrasts with the biblical law, which negatively states, thou shalt not steal. From the perspective of the civil magistrate, man is free to work or not to work, but he may not take another man's property to satisfy his laziness. When the pilgrims abandoned the socialistic approach and adopted a capitalistic approach, their community prospered. Again, God always knows what is best and his law is given for our good. Now, all men are commanded by God to work and not be lazy, but the civil government can only punish people for theft, not laziness. God, however, can and will punish for laziness and all violations of his law, both the negative commands and the positive commands. But you see, the biblical understanding of law provides great freedom for man. Contrary to what many people may teach, biblical law provides a great range of liberty and blessing to humanity, operating at all times under God's authority. Humanistic law, on the other hand, is oppressive and cruel. When the state assumes all authority as the ultimate lawgiver, law becomes unlimited in its scope. It serves whatever end the state wants it to serve. As Russ Dooney said, Quote, when law is unlimited, the state is unlimited. It becomes the business of the state not to control evil, but to control men. Basic to every totalitarian regime is a positive concept of the function of law. End quote. That is a powerful quote. Understand what he is saying. Behind every oppressive regime is a positive concept of the function of law. Every oppressive tyrant and ruler views the role of law in their society as one that gives them the authority and the power to serve whatever end they have in mind. However, God's law is different. It limits the power of the magistrate to only punish evildoers. Now, when a nation abandons biblical law, like the United States and the United Kingdom have done, positive law inevitably begins to take over. The health of the people, or the common good, become the highest goal, and the state then assumes all authority to direct and regulate all things to this nebulous end of the common good and what is best for humanity. Now, beyond the fundamental scriptural problem that the government is not sanctioned by God to control men, the notion that the law ought to operate for the common good is vague and subject to humanistic and satanic interpretation. For example, the idea of the common good or the public good could be deemed as justification for aborting millions of babies because those babies would be a burden on current resources. It's biblical law alone that provides a protection for the innocent, protection from an overreaching statist government, and it's biblical law alone that allows man true freedom to live under God's authority. You see, the officials in the United Kingdom are making a judgment on what education is acceptable, but what standard are they using? 
You see, if you grant the government the power to regulate education, what stops them from saying that Christian education is evil and humanistic education is good? Absolutely nothing. Statist authorities in America and in the United Kingdom are demonstrating that they view themselves as the God of the family who alone have the power to judge what is a good education and what is not, what is worthy of state approval and what is not. Now, with all that being said, you may say, but what about those children that don't receive a good education at home? Shouldn't the state take control in those cases? Isn't it loving to call on the state to care for these kids? You have to keep in mind at all times and when considering any topic that God is the great lawgiver and he knows what is best for mankind. He knows what is best for the individual, for the family, for the church, and for society. It is the height of human hubris to assume that we know better than God when it comes to the role of the government or anything for that matter. Whenever we face a problem or a challenge in life, we ought to consider as many possible solutions as we can. However, a proposed solution which goes against God's law is not an actual solution, but simply another problem. We live in a fallen world. There is going to be sin, but woe to those by whom it comes. A child being educationally neglected by his parents is wrong and a result of the fall. Solutions to this problem must be pondered and action must be taken. However, rejecting what God says about one thing, in this case, the role of the government, in an attempt to solve a problem only adds to the problem. You see, if the problem is that children are not receiving an education, the solution is not to bypass God's law word, which tells us the government should not be involved in the education of children. Pushing for more state involvement actually hurts. It hurts godly parents because they become restricted in their God-given freedom and duty. And now, Kids whom the state deem are not receiving a good education get a secular antichrist education funded by taxpayers who reject the idea that the state should be teaching children about homosexuality, abortion from a humanistic, secular perspective. In a biblical society, the family and the church would run educational institutions serving the weak and needy. This has happened before. It still happens today, and it could happen at a larger scale if the government removed itself and the billion-dollar machine of the public school system from the educational arena. You see, freedoms are lost when people give up their responsibility to God and allow the state to step in for the common good. It may seem like a pleasant solution at the time, but the end will be bitter as wormwood. We close today's episode with a devotional thought from the 21st chapter of the book of Proverbs, verse 6. The getting of treasures by a lying tongue is a fleeting vapor and a snare of death. You will be tempted at times in your life to acquire something. It could be money, it could be popularity, it could be comfort. Whatever it is, you'll be tempted to acquire this thing by abandoning God's law. You'll be tempted to circumvent God's path to blessing in favor of a shortcut. Whenever that temptation comes, remember this verse. The getting of treasures by lying tongue or any other immoral behavior is a fleeting vapor and a snare of death. It is a fleeting vapor because the temporal benefit you sought is just that. It's temporal and it will vanish in a moment 
in light of eternity. It is a snare of death because compromising in little areas leads to compromise in greater areas of your life. As C.H. Spurgeon said, the best of men have always been afraid of little sins. Do not compromise to acquire a fleeting treasure. Honor God's law at all times and wait for His blessing. Thank you for listening to the Reformed Hope Podcast. If you've been blessed by this podcast, be sure to subscribe and share it with your friends. For articles, sermons, and more resources on applying the Lordship of Christ to every area of your life, please visit www.reformedhope.com. Also, be sure to check us out on Facebook. Until next time, go serve the risen King.